0: You are locked on Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
0: Welcome back, folks, to the bel- oh my god, wrong show. Keep it rolling. This is Locked On Irish or Daily Notre Dame Athletics podcast part of the Locked On podcast network. Today's episode, we have a four-star tackle in the upcoming class who has announced Notre Dame in their final in his final three rather. We are then going to project the linebacker depth chart for the spring, finishing up the show with a draft profile for Ben Skaronik. Before we get to that, though, folks, I am Joe DeLeon, former college long snapper from the University of Rhode Island, joined by Ryan Roberts, who is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. So, Ryan, we've got uh, some recruiting news, a quick update on a recruit who is considering Notre Dame per Tom Loy of Irish Illustrated, the 2022 four-star offensive tackle from Bishop Gorman Jake Taylor, six six two seventy five, has officially announced that after getting over 20 scholarship offers, he has whittled it down to Notre Dame, Alabama, and Oklahoma. He did say in the article, the tradition and history of Notre Dame is top-notch. The benefits of having a Notre Dame degree is is priceless so this is an interesting uh, update that we're getting here it just seems like we're constantly seeing more and more linemen being added to the class Uh, practically any recruiting class it seems like at this point Ryan but uh, you know what are your thoughts on on hearing about this and uh, how much do you would you say you um, know about Jake Taylor
1: well, just doing some digging, I mean, obviously, to start out with, you always want to see guys come from successful programs. Bishop Gorman is one of the elite in all of high school football out there in Las Vegas, obviously. So anytime you get a player from one of these programs, not only have they kind of, not only have they been with some great coaching, not only have they played a bunch of great teams, they have also have been in programs that – this is a big selling point for IMG Academy specifically – they kind of mirror college programs to a degree, right? So, like, you already have that feel – of being a college athlete to a degree as much as you can for being a high school athlete. So immediately Bishop Gorman popped out to me. And then when you look at Jake Taylor, I mean, 6'6", 275, projectable frame. We keep talking about these guys that, like Ty Chan, for instance, when we talked about his his commitment, was you could see and you can imagine what this kid's going to look like in a couple years in a strength and conditioning program. Like the upside and the projection to him is so – Incredible to think about for a program like Notre Dame that has consistently just, you know, just put out these offensive linemen. Like, it's just, it's almost comical at this point where, like, Notre Dame is synonymous with offensive line recruiting and offensive <laughs> linemen production. Like, I mean, just talking about it over the last couple of days, if Liam Eichenberg is drafted in the first round, he which would be. Which is possible. Which is very possible, which would mean since 2009, the person manning the left tackle position for Notre Dame has been a first-round draft pick since so 2009, which is the most insane. Not bad. Not ben, I keep talking <laughs> about it because it's the most insane statistic I've ever heard in my entire life when you really think about it. So Notre Dame continues, and uh, we'll see if this one pans out for them, if they get the commitment here with Jake. But if they do, he just another stockpile of talented young offensive linemen that are, can continue one of the proud traditions, not only in Notre Dame history, but across the country what they've been able to do over the last few years.
0: Right, and it's got to the point here where every recruiting cycle, you can basically expect a top offensive lineman recruit before they make their decision to have Notre Dame in their final choices. It's it's pretty much happened with a majority of five- and four-star offensive line recruits The only thing, and I think this is something that will continually be brought up and it's something that I'm definitely going to ask every time we have a new offensive lineman in the mix for a recruiting class, should we be at all worried that the offensive line group could possibly be oversaturated in this specific recruiting class? Because there were already a crap ton of guys last class, a lot of guys that can play multiple positions. Some of them are probably going to end up bumping inside. but and, and Taylor is somebody who, in the article, it says that he can play both. He can play tackle and he can play guard. So is that something that maybe needs to be of, of concern, that they might lose out on some bigger recruits if they get commitments from guys like Taylor um, or possibly lose some of the guys that are already committed?
1: I trust Notre Dame at this point with what they do, offensive line recruiting, that they are not going to make bad decisions If we're talking about oversaturation as in like, hey, there might be some transfers at some point because we just have too many talented players we can't get them all on the field. I think that's a completely different conversation and one that I'm not worried about because, hey, there's going to be movement. We live in a day day and age now where the transfer portal has basically made college football free agency. Like it's basically what it is at this point. So there's going to be guys moving in, out, leaving for the NFL. Like there's going to be movement all the time. But for me oversaturation is not something I'm working about because I know in the moniker that is get the best five on the field for the offensive line, Notre Dame's going to continue to do that because they have a lot of options to choose from. I mean, when we did our offensive line breakdown, I went two or three deep just because, one, we don't know what's going to happen, how it's ultimately going to shake out, but there's just so many options. Like there's guys that are four and five-star, well, not five-star mostly, but like four high four-star recruits that might never see the field for Notre Dame on the offensive line. That's how special... This unit has been, and that's how great the recruiting has been for it.
0: So already exciting though as twenty twenty two recruiting is really starting to heat up. And I think we'll continue to see some more commitments. And honestly, Ryan, we don't need to take any time talking about this, but I I think it's worth throwing out there that we might actually have in this class more than ever, more guys committing early when they get offers that they like because they don't know what the future is going to be like. Next, but come the end of the recruiting cycle because of COVID. There were a lot of guys in their previous class that got screwed over. There were guys that didn't get to play last season. Some might say, if I don't get to play this upcoming fall, screw it. I'm going to commit. If they're offering me, I'm not worrying about possibly losing an offer or anything else happening. So we're probably going to get a lot of, of buzz and news coming over the spring and leading into the summer. Going to continue to provide updates and talking about offers, and um, whittling down to top choices for top recruits that Notre Dame is currently eyeing. Before we get to that, though, uh, before we get to the next segment, though, Ryan, which is going to be a projection of the linebacker group, uh, do you mind sharing a message with our listeners about Bill Bar? I-, I got another drop, by the way. I got some extra bars. We're not allowed to talk about them, but I am very excited.
1: Oh, I can't. I can't wait to hear about that update. But I will say, we're talking about the premier. <laughs> Offensive line factor in all-couch Well, I'm going to talk to you about the premier protein bar that's on the market. Of course, I'm talking about Built Bar, which is back now and even more delicious than you might remember if you're coming back to it now. 18 amazing flavors, both nut and non-nut fla- uh, flavors for your dietary restrictions. The 12 original flavors for the originalists out there, traditionalists. Coconut almonds, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, a few others, but my personal favorite. Best protein bar I've ever had, still to this date, peanut butter brownie. They also have now, to even strengthen the arsenal, six new flavors. uh, Cookies and cream, caramel brownie, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They literally have a flavor for every palate out there. All the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is also great for the health-conscious guy and gal on the go. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in one of these delicious treats. Each bar are low calorie, low sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. One of the better bars that I talked about earlier, like peanut butter, for instance, 19 grams of protein, but only 180 calories, only five grams of sugar, and only five gram net carbs in a bar. You also have coconut almonds, cherry barcia, and cookies and cream that have very similar nutritional facts. So what does that tell you? That tells you that they are Obviously, they do the job of a protein bar to keep you going and get those gains, but also they are also very good for you as well. Bilt Bar has reset the promo code for this relaunch. So now you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Make sure to take advantage of that opportunity today. You can do so by going to Biltbar.com and using promo code locked on. That's all capital, no spaces, locked on. You'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at BiltBar.com.
0: Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all of the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Also hit that subscribe button for us as well. So we've chugged through most of these spring ball position group projections and how we think that they're going to shape out we're going to probably do corners and then safeties to wrap up maybe we'll do specialists if uh, if ryan's in the mood because i know i could talk for a full show about notre dame specialists but nonetheless uh we're doing linebackers today and you're losing jeremiah usukoromoa who is a high impact player at rover
1: never heard of him we're,
0: <laughs> We're not one, you know, 1,000% sure what the linebacker alignment is. We can speculate, but we have not seen Marcus Freeman's defense just yet. So, Ryan, let's hear it. Let's hear your spiel. Who's lining up where? Who's backing them up?
1: Well, this is purely speculation on what the schematic looks going to look like, kind of like what Joe said. But I will say, from what I'm hearing, it may be sort of a hybrid system with what Marcus Freeman did at Cincinnati and what Notre Dame does. So for argument's sake, I'm going to keep it to a four-two-five alignment. So we're going to talk about two inside linebackers, a Mike and a Buck. Mike, of course, is the strong side inside linebacker, and the Buck is the weak side inside linebacker. And then we're going to talk about the Rover, which is basically your Sam playing uh, overhang. So let's start with the obvious one. Drew White's back, right? He is the starting middle linebacker. He was over for the last two years. So we expect him as a senior now to carry the mantle as the leader of defense, which he did in this past season. So I think that that's a pretty safe projection. The other guy, his backup, who has been his backup now for a couple years as well, Bo Bauer, who's a big physical mauling linebacker, kind of that throwback, also great on special teams. Bo brings a good element of physicality to the position. So I think that that's pretty much locked in. One guy, and I've told Joe about this probably a couple weeks ago, one guy that I think is the breakout star, besides for Isaiah Foskey for this defense, I think that Maris Leifau, after playing a bunch down the stretch for Notre Dame this year, mm. is going to be a star. I think before it's said and done in 2021, this is going to be the best linebacker on the team. I really think that. he Number 35, if you're not too familiar with him, long athletic kid out of Hawaii that, man, he can move. That kid is an NFL athlete at the linebacker position guy that I'm excited about, not only from the Notre Dame perspective, but also from the NFL draft perspective. A guy that I definitely have my eyes kept on. So I think that he is going to be your Buck linebacker. Who's going to back him up is a good question. I can see a few different guys like Asita Ekwanu, and um, I I think that Jack Kaiser is the player that I would most be positive about to back him up and then do an outstanding job. But for this exercise, I actually have Jack um, Jack Kaiser moving into the Rover role. I think what Notre Dame has is they have flexibility at that position. Jack Lamb is a really nice athlete, a little bit of an undersized linebacker who I think have really great spurts of awesome stuff in 2020. So I want to get him on the field. So let's get him in at Rover. He's more of your base down Rover, good athlete, but he's not, you know, obviously he's not the Jeremiah Wusukoromoa type of athlete. So I think what they have though is they have some flexibility because on obvious passing situations, long down situations, let's bring in Isaiah Pryor, who made the transition to Rover, who was a transfer from Ohio State last year, who was also arguably with Bo Bauer, your best special teamer. And he is a former high four-star safety recruit that made the transition down there. And I think on obvious passing situations, it is a great opportunity to get him on the football field to use his athletic profile in more passing downs and – I, I really like the possibilities there. I think there's a lot of flexibility specifically at Rover if we do have what we have seen at Rover over the last couple of years. But, I mean, quietly, Drew White, you know, there's nothing that really stands out a ton about him. He's a very solid football player. But, like, Maris Leuphel, Jack Kaiser, even Bo Bauer to a degree, J.D. Bertrand, like some of these younger linebackers get me really excited, especially Maris Loyfowl. If I had to make a prediction right now, that's my biggest one. I think Maris Loyfowl is going to be the breakout star for Notre Dame in 2021.
0: And the interesting thought that I that I liked that you threw in here was uh, that on Isaiah Pryor, and I really liked the the thought here that and I, we talked a lot about on how is he going to get onto the field, considering how currently crowded the secondary is, and that's been something that we've we've seen sometimes in the past, and that was basically how Jeremiah Jeremiah Uso-Koromoa became as talented as he was, was being uh, a former safety, then moving to linebacker. And being a star there, and ultimately Isaiah Pryor could possibly develop into that, depending on if he might not start right away, but he has the traits to cover. If they maybe just work him in on third down when they want a faster, better coverage player, eventually it could develop into a full-time role if he does well enough.
1: Yeah. No, and I I've really I mean, I'm excited about Isaiah P- Pryor. I honestly yeah. thought he was going to be the starter next to um, Kyle Hamilton going into the year when he made the transfer over to Ohio State. Obviously, they decided to move Sean Crawford there over Houston Griffith as well. So he, it didn't go his way. But if we're talking about that transition, obviously, he's a different player than Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, but Jeremiah Wusukoromoa was a former safety that made that transition down. Jack Kaiser, on the other hand, is more of a traditional linebacker. Having a guy in a similar profile as Jeremiah Wusukormoa is very interesting. And I think... Finding a spot for Isaiah Pryor because he could definitely play football. He's at least fast and aggressive. I want to get him on the football field and see what he see what he can do. Because in limited opportunities, I have been impressed, and the fact of how physical and how fast he plays on special teams for me shows the athleticism that he has. I'm excited about Isaiah Pryor. I I was expecting more in 2020, but I have high expectations for him in 2021 if he's able to grab that rover role.
0: Wrapping up today's show, we will do another draft prospect profile for Ben Skoranek before we get to that though folks let's talk about bet online bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action football might be over but the NBA college basketball and the NHL are in full swing bet online even covers awards TV shows and reality TV real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, and make sure to use that promo code LOCKEDON. LOCKEDON um. Betting on college basketball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. So Ryan, let's wrap ourselves up here with a draft profile on Ben Skoranek who. Frankly, I think is one of my favorite players on this Notre Dame team from last year because of his emergence, uh, the plays that he made in crucial spots, his just general demeanor as a receiver. I don't know why I always like guys that are aggressive and are good blockers, and and that's what we got from Men's chronic That's going to be his role in the NFL. So if you had to discuss his best traits, it's probably along the lines as along uh, along the lines of big, strong good at run blocking. And that's probably about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, man, I I really want to be nice because I, I I really do like Ben. I've been on the record of saying that I think that he's a guy that just can carve out a niche and and make a living and do the things that maybe aren't going to, you know, they're not going to show up in the box score and people aren't going to talk about him after the game, but you highlighted it. Well, the physicality, the run blocking that he has, I mean, I would be I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to say that he might be the best run-blocking wide receiver in the draft. Now, obviously, that's not, you know, that's not like, (laughs) you know, you want your wide receiver to be a dynamic catch guy, right? Like, you want him to have some high-volume potential. That's never going to be Ben Skoranek. But what I think he is is he's a sound enough athlete and physical enough and good enough of a blocker to carve out a role. Will he ever be a guy that's going to catch eight passes in a game or 40 passes in a season? Probably not. But I'm talking about a a, a end-of-the-roster type of wide receiver that just clicks because, hey, he's a great special teamer. He does the little things that people don't talk about too much. I think Skoranek has the chance to be that. I just think that, you know, we saw at the Senior Bowl. There's limitations there, right? Like, he's not going to create a bunch of separation. He's not the greatest athlete of all time. What he is is he's a very tough football player and some, te- some teams are really going to gravitate towards that because coaches want toughness. They want guys that are grinders. They want guys that are the, all those cliches we think about. And I think Skoranek does fit that billing, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know we're looking about six or seven years from now and Ben Skoranek's been in the league six or seven years, and he's made a living, and he hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been flashy, but he's just done enough to, to get the job done for a while.
0: And now if we wanted to discuss some – You know, a good draft projection for him. I think the likelihood of where he ends up is probably round seven or UDFA just based on what he does. Because typically when you get to the end of day three and the end of the draft, that is where you're trying to fill out and find your special teamers or maybe bank on some guys with upside. Teams might value more well-rounded players. And I, I think... What he did at the Senior Bowl, not really showing a lot of separation and getting beaten up a little bit in the the one-on-ones because he wasn't able to really create much separation at all, that might have hurt him a tiny bit, but I think that 7th to UDFA range is probably the the most likely.
1: Yeah, if you would have asked me before the Senior Bowl, I would have said probably 7th round. Like I think that that, he's a late-round guy that's a glue guy on a roster. Just the fact, though, and it doesn't change my complete opinion about him because I didn't expect him to dominate the Senior Bowl, but like, you just highlight it yourself in a very concerning manner. And I think that he's going to go to his pro day and not test great. You know, I I think he's going to be a four, six guy and he's going to have a low to mid 34 vertical. I don't think he's going to broad. Great. Like there's just nothing that stands about him athletically. So I think the last two things that are going to be on the mind for evaluators are going to be when he was matched up against the best in the country, he looked very ordinary and then he didn't test great, but I still think that there's enough on film to warrant like a long-term outlook on him. I mm-hmm. just think that he – I mean, I don't think he helped himself in any way down at Mobile.
0: So I have two interesting best fits for Ben Skoranek here.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, I'm thinking of teams that like guys that are, are gritty, hardworking, um, emphasis on putting a lot of effort in on the run game and are going to be good on special teams – the two that I'm thinking of are the Tennessee Titans because they're very run oriented, or the New England Patriots. I feel like those are going to be the two teams that, that um, I, like I, the Patriots one to me seems like that one makes the most sense because I know of? that they need they need receivers, they need actually good dynamic receivers, and they're probably going to prioritize that in free agency in the draft. But I could just see Bill Belichick snatching up a guy like this and turning him into a special team star. I, I, I can yeah, totally see that happening.
1: Well, I, I I thought there was like some Chris Hogan comparison that was happening there. I didn't what? know where that was going. For they're not a the same size, though, are they? No, they're not. They're not. But I don't know. Seven Eleven, like you know, white receiver. Of course, you're gonna put him with Bill Belichick. Like that's such a stereotype. Okay,
0: but that's not that's not why I'm doing I'm it. Just I'm kidding. I'm I'm just thinking of uh, I, I'm trying to think. I'm thinking of teams that value special teams is kind I mean, of what I'm getting at.
1: Oh, no, no. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I'm there. I mean, Matthew Slater made a career for what, like 10, yeah. 15 years just off of being the best special team in the NFL? So I get you. Yeah, I'm just messing with you a little bit. A couple no, teams you. that I wrote down, that, and I, I do think New England's actually a, a, a team that makes a lot of sense. I wrote down just because after the Green Bay Packers take, you know, a quarterback in the first round again or something, they're probably going to take a late-round wide receiver that fits their mold. Outside of Devontae Adams, they have a bunch of guys like – um get the kid from Iowa State a couple years ago, with Alan Lazard and Equinemius mm-hmm. St. Brown. Yeah. They're kind of like the same old, you know, they're big physical guys. Even though EQ can run a little bit, he's not like the downfield vertical guy, right? Like they're just, they're kind of just mauling guys that play good football. Geronimo Allison's another guy that they had for a couple years there. So just kind of fits the profile of what they have. They love working back shoulder game with Aaron Rodgers. So it makes some sense. I actually wrote down, I know you're going to hate this one. Uh-oh. But I'm going to put it out there. New York Giants have no big body receivers. So, uh, a late round, see, UDFA.
0: My problem with that is I I believe that they're going to acquire somebody in free agency and they're going to draft somebody early. So, folks, if you don't know this, I, I cover the Giants too. And we, we talked about this a ton when we did a, a, a receiver show. They're probably going to draft somebody early. And the priority is going to be getting somebody explosive. They already have a bunch of UDFA guys that are like Skoranek. I just don't think – like because they have like Austin Mack and they have um, – uh, I'm trying to think there's somebody else that they have. But, but nobody as big as him. I think that yeah. they're going to try and draft somebody that fits that profile. Like the name that, that I'm really keyed on that's going to be too early for 11 – is Rashad Bateman so like I think that like that name like someone like that is what, who they're going to prioritize either in free agency or the draft early on I, I don't I don't see why they would draft Skoranek late because there's just special teams upside but uh, you know what? it does make sense though you I have a special teams that. coach as your head coach I know coach. I can't question that because Joe Judge only prioritizes special teams because he drafted seven linebackers and all they did was play special teams last year so I can't entirely disagree. I don't. I hate the premise, but I don't disagree with the argument.
1: All right, so in that theory, Joe Judge is a special teams coach. John Harbaugh was a special teams coach, too. So the he, he makes Baltimore, sense, too. Last one I'll throw out there, and I actually do like this one, Tennessee Titans. Just because, that was the one I said originally. Yeah, power running team, which I think makes a ton of sense, but also they're losing Corey Davis potentially this offseason. They're going to need some wide receivers. I don't think mm-hmm. that he's, again, I don't think Skoranek's going to be a high-volume guy in any world, but I do think that he brings value to a team. I think that there is value that he brings and it might not be the glorified, you know, Oh, hundred yard game, a thousand yard season, 10 catch outing. Like it's not ever going to be that for Skoranek, but I think that what Tennessee has and what they need to continue to be the dominant power running team. They are is they need football players that block on all levels. And I think that Skoranek fits that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like all those teams. And, um, That definitely certainly makes sense. So, folks, that's going to be it from us on today's episode. Tomorrow on Thursday's episode, we will be doing a preview for the Clemson. Sorry, the the Syracuse game, rather. The Syracuse game coming up this weekend. Uh, We will then have Tyler Aki of Locked on Syracuse on the Friday show. So stay tuned for that as well. Make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On Irish, at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft. Hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and if you're looking for something else to tune into, head on over to Locked On Today or Locked On Bets. Talk to you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day.